And what's up, guys? This is our World of Lifting podcast, and you guys are tuning in to episode 46. And today we got a little bit of a unconventional episode. It's uh, just going to be me just talking about my own story. Uh, yesterday, we I put a poll out on Instagram, and an overwhelming 93% of the followers, um, they wanted me to do an episode where I just talk by myself. Um, you know, aside from the usual, you know, I have a guest on <clears throat> and I talk about their story. But uh, this episode is going to be entirely just me. Uh, if you guys don't know, I am the host of the World of Lifting podcast. My name is Alan. Uh, at Lao Strength on Instagram. Uh, I am a power lifter. I uh, fluctuate around from the 181 to 198 class. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll start with um, the sports that I used to do. Um, it started with uh, my childhood uh, asthma. So I'm pretty sure you guys are familiar with what asthma is. You know, it's, it's pretty hard to exert yourself when you do have asthma, you know, fear of asthma attacks. Uh, you know, lung issues and all that. So as a kid, sports, um, they weren't really a big thing, but uh, my parents wanted me to to get some exercise in. So when I was a kid, I did a lot of swimming. So, and uh, I joined the swimming team and whatnot. And it was hard, not gonna lie. Swimming was really hard because um, obviously it's a very, car- it's very cardio-based sport, uh, endurance, uh, depending on what event you do. So I would always be lagging behind the kids, um, you know, because of asthma, I was always wheezing. Um, you know, by the time I got to, you know, third or fourth lap of, you know, warm-ups or whatever we were doing that day, I would always be falling behind. Um, and uh, during the swim meets, uh, I did like one or two swim meets. Um, I was I was probably like in last place or something because, uh, I don't know. I just, I always got tired and, you know, asthma kind of held me back for a, a lot of that time. Um, um, but during swimming, it was, you know, it was pretty fun. You know, I liked the people there, but it was just, you know, my, my body, uh, the asthma just, just kept holding me back. But after swimming, I, <clears throat> I got into uh, martial arts, uh, specifically Taekwondo. Um, I think I started when I was a uh, 10 or 11, I think it was 10. Um, I did this for about seven, eight years, um, uh, made it to a second degree black belt in, in Taekwondo. Um, and I know Taekwondo gets a lot of hate now because of, um, the, the way they fight now, they, they don't think it's uh, practical anymore. Um, in my opinion, it's, it's kind of fell by the wayside too. Um, um, the, the athletes are still, I still believe that I've a, still have a huge respect for the athletes in it, but it's just during, it's just not, um, the way it used to be like in the nineties, um, the kicks were a lot more dynamic. They were, they were a lot more powerful. They were a lot more, um, uh, knockouts and whatnot. Um, maybe I'm just <clears throat> being a dick and, you know, maybe it's just, it's just changing with the times. I don't know, but. I started um, as like a really shy kid, uh, you know, as a white belt practicing. Um, Taekwondo really made me um, more confident as a person, I would say. Uh, doing doing all the, you know, the, the forms down, getting all the techniques down. 
especially during um, like a promotion test where I would have to do the forms, uh, do the board breaking and then do sparring. It was always, uh, I was always very nervous. I was very, had a lot of anxiety, always very hard on myself, very, very self, uh, I don't know what that word is, very self analytic. I don't know. I was always overthinking too much and the, the martial arts aspect, it, the, especially the forms, it made me let go of a lot of that stuff. Um, I, I became a more confident person. You know, my self-esteem was a lot higher. Um, uh, during the Taekwondo days, you know, I, I developed a very aggressive uh, style of sparring. Um, it wasn't, um, obviously wasn't very smart. I was always charging in. I was always getting hit, but um, I was, I was, it was just the way that I, that I decided to fight and it didn't definitely didn't help me win a lot of matches. I mean, I, I participated in a couple of Taekwondo tournaments. Um, always losing. Cause I always lost my cool because, um, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, he got a good hit in, you know, and I didn't, I didn't like it. And, you know, I just, I got, you know, I lost my cool and I decided to, to go for the big hits instead of, you know, keeping your cool. And, you know, analyzing the situation and just, you know, being smart about it, which I wasn't at the time. I was, you know, just 14, 15 years old and maybe 16 or 17, but it was, it just wasn't working out for me. But that was my experience in, in martial arts. But during, I, I shortly left uh, after about, I, I practiced for about seven, eight years and I decided to leave it. Um, but during during that time, I also took up uh, sport. Uh, I took up wrestling, and I was always interested in the grappling aspect of martial arts. Um, the I was always I know I watching you know kung fu movies, Jackie Chan, Jet Li, Don Yen, Sammo Hong, all those types of movies. It was I was very into into the striking aspect of arts because you know do it like all those crazy flying sidekicks, the knockout punches, like Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali, uh, even Bruce Lee, you know, people that just influenced me to, to start, you know, martial arts. But I was, I was always interested in striking, but then, then I started seeing other videos like judo, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and wrestling. And, you know, my high school had, had a wrestling team and I was like, you know what, maybe, maybe I'll try it out. So I tried it. I did it in junior year, uh, wrestling first year. I was terrible. Um, uh, also during that time I started powerlifting. So, um, I was, I had a lot of, um, muscle mass that I, I carried around, uh, and it, it did, definitely did not help during the matches. I, um, I gassed out way too quickly. Like I would have the first period and then the second and third, it was just, I was just trying to survive the first period. I was always, you know, attacking, attacking, attacking. Maybe I'll get a couple of takedowns. Maybe I wouldn't, but as soon as, you know, the ref blew the whistle and it was second period, I was already, you know, breathing super hard. And obviously, you know, depends on where you are in the, in the, in the match, but maybe you're, you are the last match of that day. And, Maybe you're trying to clinch a win and obviously you can't slack off during the, those period of time, but wrestling really taught me to face adversity and challenges head on with no fear. Um, and I really, 
I have no regrets doing wrestling. Even though um, I ended up dislocating my shoulder a lot of times, I tore my shoulder and it took me a while to rehab back from that. But, you know, the camaraderie in wrestling, the cutting weight, the, the workouts, being able to, you know, get, get, get wins on the mat and, you know, being coached, it, it was just, it was just a great time. I loved, I loved wrestling. Um, if anyone out there is thinking about doing wrestling, um, I suggest you do it. Wrestling is one of the, you know, big, big impact on your life. You'll, you'll, you'll learn a lot of things, you know, I mean, the biggest one is facing adversity and facing tough, tough matches. Cause you know, you'll, you, you will eventually face a match that is not favorable for you. You know, maybe you'll face someone that's ranked really high in the county or state or like nationally. And even though they are ranked, it's not an excuse for you to, you know, maybe I'll slack off, you know, there's no way I can win or you can't think like that. There are plenty of upsets in wrestling. Uh, it's, it's something you just can't slack off. You, you either gotta, you get, you gotta face a challenge head on and, you know, just do what you know and don't lose your cool. And Hey, maybe you, maybe you get the win. Cause I've seen a lot of wrestlers that are pretty unknown beating one of the most skilled wrestlers I've ever seen. And, you know, upsets happen and it's a, uh, it's a part of the sport. So it taught me to really face the challenges and, and I did two years of that, but I, but yeah, during, during that period of time, I was already powerlifting. I already started and uh, I started summer of 2016. And around that time, I also discovered Olympic weightlifting. Um, so I was debating whether to do uh, which one, but you know, I, I watched Lu Xiao Jun. Um, unfortunately, he only took silver in 2016, but good luck to him in 2021. Hopefully he takes gold again, but yeah, I, I started, you know, cause I, I realistically thought, you know, I didn't have a coach for Olympic weightlifting. So I was like, maybe I'll just, I'll do powerlifting, you know, very simple, just bench press, squat and deadlift. And yeah, I was fully into it. But then, yeah, obviously wrestling came into to the picture and I had to wrestle and powerlift at the same time, which we'll get into later, which was, which was insanely hard, but back to wrestling, um, senior year, there was this, tournament that I went to um, and I lost in the real bracket and I, I was placed in the loser bracket and if I beat this guy in the loser bracket I was back in the main bracket uh, but long story short he, he caught me in a bad position and my shoulder just went pop and I was like holy moly what just happened I I don't know. I, I read I, after the, I had, I ended up losing the match. Um, I was too focused on my shoulder, but I ended up, you know, running to the, um, what's it called? Um, the, the nurse or I guess the nurse or something, but the, no, the athletic trainer, athletic trainer or something. Um, you know, they evaluated me, they, they saw no problems and, but I knew something was wrong. My shoulder was swelling. It, it, it hurt like crazy. I couldn't, you know, bench press. I couldn't do any like, any sort of shoulder movement was, was out of the question. Cause I, you know, it just wasn't, it was hurting really bad, but you know, I thought it was just maybe a pull. So I, I thought nothing of it. So even though it hurt really bad, I, I let it rest. Eventually the swelling went away, but uh, 
when you dislocate a shoulder, you know, maybe it's not in the right place or something, you know, popping it back in yourself. So the shoulder always felt a little off and I never really got it checked out. So, I mean, and I still wanted to wrestle in college. So I would go to these like really intense summer wrestling camp practices and I would always pop it out. And I was like, F it, I'll pop it back in. I popped it back in. It always keep coming out. And there was this one moment where during that summer where I popped it out and it stayed out. And let me tell you, it was probably the freakiest five or 10 seconds of my life where it stayed out and it hurt like crazy. Like I was just, I was just laying there. I was like, dude, is it ever going to go back in? And it eventually went back in. But at that moment I was like, wow, like what if this happens when I'm in, you know, trying to wrestle for college, but then I, I still tried to wrestle for college. I met up with the coach and it still, it still kept hurting me. So I had to make a decision. And unfortunately I chose, um, well, not unfortunately, but like unfortunate that I had to leave a sport that I really loved, which was wrestling. And, and I was a lot better at powerlifting. And I was like, realistically, I had, I have a better chance to do a lot better in powerlifting. So I said goodbye to wrestling. Uh, that chapter of my life is now over. So, and then I, I full on, full on just did powerlifting. I mean, I already did powerlifting during, at that time already, I already, I was already squatting like over 500, deadlifting over close to 500, benching over, over 250, 270. So I was in a good spot in terms of my total. But uh, once I took powerlifting seriously, which was back in 2016, after wrestling ended, I, I had, um, when I quit, I, I signed up for a meet immediately at uh, Gaglion Strength. And it was really fun. I think I ended up, it was, it was back in 2018, a couple years ago now. I squatted 550, I ended up benching 280, and I deadlifted 510 pounds. But unfortunately, these meets, um, they didn't count because they, it wasn't an RPS meet and there was no sanction, it wasn't sanctioned. So those numbers went, you know, unnoticed. I mean, they were noticed, but like in terms of, you know, going into the system, it wasn't there. Uh, but Gaglion strength holds, holds a lot of meets for, <clears throat> for RPS as well. Uh, and then I, I ended up prepping for the summer meet at Gaglion strength and I ended up doing very poorly. Um, I got really sick before it and I don't know what was wrong with me during that time, but ended up. I ended up doing very poorly during that meet. I don't even want to say the numbers I did, but I think I only ended up squatting 515 or 525 or something like that. Um, I benched 300 though. That was a PR. And then I only dealt like high force and it was just all in all, not a good meet, but, um, and keep in mind during this whole, whole period of time of two years, um, my shoulder was still torn. It was, I was lifting with it. You know, I, I had, uh, I had my ways around it. I had my, you know, during a bench press, I had to arch harder to protect my shoulder. I couldn't flare my elbows or, or else it would, it would easily pop out. So I was still making a lot of gains, um, during my, my, my long span of time with my labrum tear, I would always rehab it myself. Um, it was very strong, but, uh, the day I decided to, um, get surgery for it, was when I was um, playing handball and I tried to go for a ball that was really, really low. 
and my shoulder gave one of the most nastiest noises ever. It was like a really loud grind or, and a really loud pop. And it felt like someone like stabbed me in the arm or something. And I, I ended up going to the ER that day and uh, they suggested that I do an MRI. And when I did the MRI, they, I had a bank card lesion and um, what was left of my labrum, like it was, it was torn. And they, they told me, they were like, yeah, you can, you can either leave this alone or you can do surgery for it. And at that point I was, I was ready to do surgery. So I, I was like, yo, I, I'm trying to do surgery. I, I, I can't have this keep on popping out. And I, know I have, I, I have a bright future for powerlifting. I can't let that, I can't let this injury, you know, hold me back any longer. So I scheduled the surgery. It was, uh, I think September 6, September 6th of 2019, I went um you know under anesthesia i did the surgery i woke up very nauseous and then the rehab process began and this is probably one of the most hardest the definitely by far the most difficult phase of my career for powerlifting um after you wake up from the surgery you are in a sling um because they don't want you to move your shoulder they, they put anchors in your shoulder so to let the anchors like uh really I don't know what is a solidify uh, or let it sink in. You know, you're not supposed to have a lot of range of motion on your shoulder during that period of time. So all I did was, you know, I was in the sling and I think I was in the sling for about, about six weeks. And let me tell you, every single day was grueling. Um, Cause you, a lot of things that you take for granted, you know, everything I, everything I did had to be with just my right arm, you know, typing an essay for school, you know, my book back, you know, holding your laptop, you know, holding your phone, you know, calling someone, putting on your glasses, you know, even opening doors, you know, just every, any movement with your left shoulder, with my left shoulder, it just, it just bothered me. So I couldn't really move it. So my right arm did all the work and, and obviously powerlifting was on, on hold. Um, I had to let my body rest. So I was still in the gym. I was doing like right arm curls. Uh, right arm pressing. I was doing a lot of uh, leg pressing and I was doing a lot of uh, stationary bike work just to get the blood flowing in. People were just, um, didn't really believe that I was ever going to be able to come back. And these people are absolute pussies. Uh, let me tell you, that. they, um, they were, you know, they were, they supported me during the time I was in top shape. And when I fell, down with the injury with the shoulder uh, they basically they just left they were just like yeah he's not gonna be anything anymore um one guy in the gym even told me like yeah man your career's over you know you won't be able to you know bench press your goal anymore or squat anymore and you know it's depressing to hear you know and that's why i always talk about the mental part during an injury it's always going to be more mentally draining than physically, you know, physically it hurts, you know, um, but my pain tolerance is pretty high. So it didn't really bother me that much, but the mental part, that part was, uh, you know, I had to ignore all the shitty comments, all the, the nonsense that went, went my way, you know, but I really had to shout out well health physical therapy. Um, they're in Hicksville Plaza. And they are probably the, 
you know, most positive group of people I've ever been around in terms of, you know, rehab. There were, there were always, you know, uh, very great, great attitudes. They, you know, helped me, helped me through my injury. They stretched me out. Um, they, you know, they told me that, you know, your career is definitely not over, you know, don't listen to those guys, you know, you'll, you'll be back soon, you know? And I always looked forward to going to PT. Um, and it was very encouraging. You know, I, all I, all I looked forward to was going to PT and, you know, just each and every day making that next step to, to, you know, to full recovery of my shoulder. Cause this location is, you know, you pop out your shoulder completely. It, it hurts. So, and I've done that over 10, 15 times. So my labor was pretty messed up and just stretching in the positions where I did dislocate it. It was very difficult. And, uh, Dr. Annie helped me back to that. She, uh, stretched me out. She, you know, did the, the heat, the contrast, you know, the ice and, you know, the strengthening exercises. Um, cause once you get your sling, um, once you get your sling off, you, you actually, your, your muscles are atrophied. You, you definitely cannot, uh, see any muscle on it, which sucks. You know, as a lifter, no one, no one wants to see their muscles, you know, waste away. But, you know, when, when your arm is stuck in one place for six weeks and not doing anything, yeah, that's basically what's going to happen. So, yeah, after the sling phase, it was, you know, more stretching. And in about this time, I was, I was able to get back to training, just working with the barbell. And, you know, there were still haters, you know, people that, you know, they still didn't think I was able to come back. But um, in that period of time, I was able to train up to a 495-pound squat, post-labrum tear. And that was one of, one of my big milestones, one of my big, big victories, because my, my squat max was, um, it was 585 at the time. And it still is. But um, it's, uh, it, it was a big milestone during that time. And, you know, I shut a lot of people up that day because, you know, they thought I couldn't lift anywhere near 500 ever again and I did it so but then you know I ended up with some knee tendonitis which was pretty nasty I ended up recovering from it but during that time um what affecting us all today is you know the pandemic you know COVID-19 with the you know everything's getting shut down and all my progress that I made post labrum tear in terms of strength literally just just went away and I go back again to the mental health thing. It was very mentally draining because I'm like, damn, I, I have to work back again because up until that time, I was making very fast progress. And then it, it just, everything got shut down. Um, you know, people, you know, they didn't, they obviously didn't want to get coronavirus. Um, and, you know, gyms were closed. And yeah, they were closed from about March to August. And all I did was home workouts, you know, push-ups. Uh, I... One workout I did like a thousand push-ups. I did, you know, I had basic kettlebell stuff. You know, I eventually ended up getting sandbags to train with. Um, but in terms of barbell lifting, I did not do any of it for about six months. And you know, during during late summer, I decided to make my own garage gym. And you know, we're we're slowly getting slowly getting back into it now. But um, yeah, I mean, that's where where I'm on my second attempt at a comeback. And I'm, I'm very positive about it. I know I'm going to come back eventually. Um, but, you know, 
anyone out there dealing with an injury um, as messed up as mine, you know, multiple shoulder dislocations, you just know there is, you will recover, you will come back. It's just a matter of, you know, believing in it and, you know, taking it day by day. Don't look too far ahead. Don't look, you know, don't look in the past. Just stay in the present moment. Just put your head down, just work. Obviously people will, will try to mislead you. Like, yeah, you're never going to come back. Um, it doesn't matter what sport you're doing. You're like, they're, they're going to say, you're never going to come back. You're never going to be the same person as you were before. That's <clears throat> never, ne never given to that noise. It's just people, when they can't do something, they just, they try to project it onto you. You know, they, they don't think you can do it. So they just say, if I couldn't do it, you know, he, he can't do it, you know, and people, people are weird because a lot of the top lifters, they have followers that really are loyal to them and they, they love seeing them succeed. And then there are some followers that are just there. So when they get injured, they use that as a reason to not lift or they just use that as a reason to hate. Like uh, the most recent Russian lifter, when he, I think, broke both knees, a lot of people I heard, they're just using that as an excuse not to lift. And, you know, it's, it's a stupid reason not to lift. First of all, a lot of people aren't striving to, to squat as much weight as he did. I think it was about 400 kilos, which is like 881 pounds, which is close to 900 pounds. So I don't know what you're afraid of unless you're squatting close to that weight. And that was literally, that's lifting one of the most lowest rate of injuries in any sport. And people might not believe this. They're just ignorant to it. They just say, you know, oh, powerlifters, they always mess up. You know, they'll, they'll always end up in a wheelchair by the end, end of their career. It's all BS. But yeah, you, it's, it's, just, it's, it's not fun. But yeah, you, powerlifting is, is a great sport anyway. But anyway, uh, I could talk about my, uh, my current maxes for, my powerlifting. Um, so I compete at around 181. Sometimes I'll hop around to 198. Um, yeah, I, my, my current maxes are 585 pound squat, 305 pound bench press and a 545 pound deadlift, uh, deadlifted with a sumo style. I don't, I don't deadlift conventional and, and then again, there, the powerlifting community gets a lot of hate for it, you know, doing sumo deadlifts and very heavy arch, uh, uh, high arch uh, bench presses. And it's a part of the sport, so I don't really, I don't really care about it. But yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I have the squat, the 585 squats is, the, my squat is better than my deadlift. Um, for some reason, I don't know, I, I think I was just built to squat better. Um, I, I never squatted low bar. I still squat high bar and just high bar just seemed to work for me. And I ran this program called small of small off squat. Uh, I think it's a 13 or thir 12 or 13 week program. One of the most brutal squat programs you'll ever, you'll ever do. I don't recommend it to anyone that's, you know, a beginner. <laughs> it's literally, it, it drains you like for my, like it, I made gains from it. You know, I got up to a 585 pound squat, but it really affected my other lifts, bench press and deadlift. They, they were progressing, but not as high as my squat, not as much as my squat. And it, it threw everything off. Um, I was extremely sore after doing a small off squat. 
you know, training session. And, you know, my, my central nervous system was fried. It was just, it, it was fun, but not fun at the same time. But yeah, I mean, I ended up hitting a lot of volume PRs. Um, I ended up getting a 455 pound squat for five sets of five. 445 for seven sets of five. I was able to do like 385 for four sets of nine. Uh, 515 for a set of five. Uh, 545 for a set of three. And obviously 585 for, you know, my new max. Uh, bench press is tricky for me. Um, maybe I was just an idiot in terms of programming. But, uh, you know, I, I shout out to Connor Drum. You know, he helped me out with my, my bench program. He, he's like, yo, you idiot, you know, you got to stop just flat benching for your, for your bench sessions. And I'm, and I just, I noticed, I was like, oh, damn, I really was just <laughs> flat benching for most of my bench press sessions. And he started adding, you know, incline press, uh, more dumbbell pressing, incline dumbbell pressing, more, a lot of more rows, overhead presses. I was able to get a 185 pound overhead press, um, 245 pounds uh, incline press for four reps. And he, you know, banded work, speed work, all those variations. Uh, I was able to get to a 305 pound bench press. Um, but this was all before, you know, I had to get surgery for my, for my shoulder and all that. But it took me a, almost a whole year to get from 295 to 305, which sucks because um, I work closely with Damien Janak to get guests on this podcast. And this kid, <laughs> he's 16. And he's already benching over 400. I'm 20 and I haven't even benched 315 yet. But I make up for it for my squat and deadlift. But that just... But the important lesson is, you know, you, you obviously can't compare yourself. You know, Damien's obviously, you know, blessed with the most absolute crazy strength gains ever. But yeah, he, you know, he's, he's a cool guy. He, he reached out to me and we're, we're working together with the podcast. We're trying to grow it. Uh, yeah, we, we've had, uh, actually, yeah, let's talk about, I mean, my, oh, we'll talk about my, my goals first, but, um, my current goals for powerlifting, um, I want to break uh, a world record, uh, hopefully an all-time world record, um, but I, hopefully I'll be able to squat close to 800, uh, bench um, 500, and deadlift around 750. And hopefully I can do that at uh, 220, maybe a little bit lighter, who knows, but um, I think it's, uh, it's possible for me. Um, I know I, I have discipline, I work hard, and I know that those numbers are definitely in the cards for me. Uh, but, you know, I, I maybe I, I hope to own a gym one day for, for powerlifters, uh, strength athletes, you know, you know, just building a whole community of lifting, you know, being able to be a, be a coach, you know. But uh, during, during the, during the lockdown, I, uh, I thought about, you know, a podcast. Podcast was always on my mind and I never, you know, I never really acted upon it. But then uh, one of my friends was like, hey, you know what, just just do it. You know, I was like, whatever. I released the first episode. It was with, uh, if you guys don't know, he's a, he's a very strong teenager, uh, Sam Schwartz. That was my first ever interview. Um, that was about like 36 minutes or something. But it was, you know, a great interview. I, I, had, I had a lot of fun doing it. 
And I was like, wow, what if I can, you know, have a lot more conversations with, with lifters, you know, get their, get their story out, get their name out, you know, get them a little publicity, you know, obviously everyone has their own unique story when it comes to powerlifting. Everyone has different backgrounds, um, even with different sports, you know, basketball players, they, they all have their different stories of getting into it. And I just wanted to get their story out, especially the, you know, the up and coming lifters. Because um, obviously social media these days, you know, it's hard to get noticed it's, unless you're someone like Larry Wheels, you know, squatting 900, bench pressing like close to 700. So I wanted to provide a, provide a platform for a lot of these lifters. Um, so I started it. So I, I started inviting a lot of lift, uh, a lot of lifters, a lot of strong lifters, um, just to try, to try to get their story out. And we are currently 46 episodes in and it's, I don't know, it's been fun, you know, just recording conversations with all these athletes. It's been a really great experience, you know, getting to know different styles of training, different stories of getting into, um, getting into powerlifting, you know, the sports that they used to do. And it's, it's just been a fun time. I think a good amount of the podcast guests are, are from uh, <clears throat> SUNY Cortland. Uh, Anthony McNaughton, uh, Tara Hansen. I uh, did a podcast with Leo Rabinovich. That guy's an absolute monster. Um, and I work with uh, Jason Lee, Anabolic Potato Chips, with his programming and, and strength gains. Uh, one of the craziest podcast episodes I've ever done was with James Strickland. Um, if you guys don't know, he's ranked fourth in the world. I'm pretty sure for bench press, his best bench press, I think in competition is 675 and he's aiming for 700. And I was very nervous for that. Uh, shout out to Damien Janak. He helped me out. <laughs> he was able to contact him and he agreed to do the podcast, but that was by uh, to date is the longest podcast, uh, longest episode on this podcast. Uh, I think an hour and 43 minutes. And I think he spent most of the time talking. I, I was just listening, just taking in the information. And just, you know, the the amount of information that I learned, you know, it's just, you guys should go listen to it. It was, it was a very good podcast. Even, um, and then another one, his name is Leroy Walker. And then, you know, we talked about the whole Julius Maddox situation, which the, with the, the 800 pound missile load and all that. But, both of those podcasts, I was extremely nervous. You know, the best lifters in the entire world, and I'm, you know, a little small podcast, you know, being able to interview them. So just being these little experiences, you know, it, it really goes a long way to on this podcast. You know, I, I really love doing it. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people want to know how I started powerlifting. I know I touched back on it before, but uh, I started with bodybuilding. Um, yeah, I mean, I know I mentioned this before, you know, how I started in 2016, but yeah, I, I really wanted to be like aesthetic, you know, like Arnold and, you know, Franco Colombo, all those guys. But then I didn't want to diet. So, and then I, you know, started doing the deadlift, squat, bench, and my strength started progressing really fast. And I was like, I think I got a shot at this, you know, and I started training and, you know, here we are today with my 585, 305 and, you know, 545. And people ask me about my training style as well. Um, you know, uh, small off was the most recent squat program I've done, but in the past I've done Bulgarian method, which looking back on it, it probably wasn't the smartest thing because it was squatting every day, very heavy. Um, but thank God, no injuries. Um, I was training seven days a week. Uh, 
in terms of bench press, I um, I bench press almost every day, deadlift almost every day too. Uh, it's very high frequency because um, I was very influenced by Olympic weightlifters and like like Clarence Kennedy. They train all the time, very high frequency. And you know there's a difference because um, not calling anyone out, but you know a lot of Olympic weightlifters, you know they are on you know performance enhancing drugs, and people you know they'll they'll say you know Allen's on steroids. I'm currently not on anything. I'm natural, lifetime natural. Will I be in it? Will I be on anything in the future? Who knows? I have no idea. Uh, but as as of right now, nothing. But yeah, I don't feel like I need it at the moment. I know, um, you know, obviously the top lifters they are using it uh, in the Olympic weightlifting community. It's it's a big thing as well. But I'm currently not on it. Uh, but yeah, it's, I know there's a lot of health issues, but you have to be really smart with it when you're taking it. So I decided not to take it, but obviously people think I'm still on it, but uh, you have to be, you know, it's, it's a lifestyle powerlifting. You have to be 100% committed to it. People ask me, how do you get, how do, I, how do I get strong? How do you get strong? And I tell them to lift consistently for years. And obviously in this day and age with social media and, you know, instant gratification, everyone wants it now. You know, they see, you see these programs, you know, oh, six week abs, you know, get abs in six weeks. That's, you know, you got to work hard for it. You got to earn your place in powerlifting. You got you to get through those, those bad, bad training days. You know, motivation is great, but it's not something that should be with you all the time. You know, it's not going to be with you all the time. You have to be, have the discipline to get up and train. And, you know, someone my age, you know, in college, everyone wants to go out drinking, um, you know, go out and parties and stuff. I'm, I'm not a big party. I'm not a big drinker. I, I decided to commit most of my time to become a better powerlifter. And, you know, Obviously people think that's weird. You know, they just, you're like, what? You don't want to go out to drink? I'm like, no, I just, I have to get up early in the morning. I have to go do my squats and bench and you know, whatever I'm doing that day. And I get judged for it. And it's, it's a strange thing to get judged for, but you know, it's powerlifting is a small community. There's not that many of us out there, but it is growing. Thank God. And the standards are getting higher, but, but yeah, the discipline, you know, uh, a lot of top powerlifters, they don't post their bad days in training and it kind of creates this weird image. But um, yeah, when you see an Olympic gold medalist or the world champion, you don't see those bad days, you know, those, those injuries, those, those, those bad training days and, you know, maybe like a tragedy hit them in, in their life or, you know, just, 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 you know, life gets hard, you know, it's never a smooth road when you're, when you're, you know, powerlifting, you know, and I know it firsthand now, you know, dealing with this injury, my, my surgery, you know, but I am on the comeback, but, uh, that is basically my, uh, my story. I don't, I can't think of anything else to cover, but, uh, thank you guys. If you, if you, if you listen, if you made it to this part of the episode and, you know, listen to it, I'm very grateful. This is our 46th episode. Um, you can follow the podcast. It's uh, at World of Lifting uh, underscore, and you can follow me uh, at Lao Strength and uh, the the guy that works closely with me at Damian Janak. And that's the podcast episode, guys, for episode forty six. Thank you guys for listening. Peace out.